slate here uh new music some stuff's happened since we've uh, been on the show oh yeah a lot of stuff man i mean new biopics new albums people saying a type of music is coming back even though i mean we can get into that later but uh... <laughs> yeah uh elvis is coming back uh first of all um elvis is back Elvis is not coming back. Uh, unclear. <laughs> well, listen, I may be different from the bunch, but I can definitely say he is quote unquote coming back because I'm not Gen Pop. When I walked out of the theater, man, <laughs> I can't tell you how much positive praise this movie got. And, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I get it. I, I, I know why they love it. Like, it, it hits all the beats right. And, and the people just like, a lot of these people are just going in for the music. And I get that. But so am I. Like, I'm an Elvis fan. I mean, I grew up with like Elvis, you know, the music, my friend's dad, who pretty much dressed up as Elvis. Like, he had the hair, the shades, everything, even the, like, it, it's ridiculous, man. So like, you went, like, the full quiff with the outfit and everything? Every, I think. Yeah, and I want to say he had his acoustic <laughs> from it was right of, like two years before the '68 comeback special. Okay, and it's framed in like a huge like glass casing. It's beautiful, you know. He had Elvis poster. He had pictures like replicas like or maybe not even just replicas like you know he probably just bought online but like some um of the ria plaques that people can get for singles for gold and stuff and you know like so i'm coming in this like everybody else is we're fans of elvis yeah you're there for the music for the elvis of it all um but it's like it it's just what is done rather what is the framing device like listen i get colonel tom parker was an asshole i i understand the manipulation you know having elvis work to the bone with the 50 percent like and to be honest like that's very reflective of what britney went through like over the last decade like you know like her uh, industry plant yeah yeah and her father was making her push out work that she didn't want to do and you know it was just for him to make more money and like even her Vegas residency that she quit last minute, like she didn't want to do it. And her, you know, it's same thing with Colonel Parker. He just worked Elvis to the bone. I mean, look, man, like throughout like in, like a decade, like he starred in too many movies. Yeah. Too many movies. It was like two or three year a year sometimes. It's just uh and uh, you know, I don't I don't mind that there's like inaccuracies in order to get the plot moving. But they do stuff that is just like insensitive at times. Like, like for like they use tragic events to create transitions, and not oh, even just yeah. transition in the story, but like just character motivation. So 
and, and it's even worse when and like I get it in a sense when you see like all right you're shaken once and then second times when you're over the edge but like considering how this movie kept going so the way we find out that MLK dies is through a sound effect gunshot off screen while everybody's just like arguing in the middle of like the Hollywood lot and then everybody's just in disarray and like then you know like after this Elvis gets stricken and is like you know what fuck Turtle Colonel Parker I'm gonna do my own shit yeah and I'm like is that what you got out of it like, 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 it's it's just how they're framing and transitioning. It just makes it even poor. Like, and then again, it's done again. Like, probably fifteen minutes later, when they're filming mm-hmm. and showing the nineteen sixty eight comeback special. Which, listen, when they film these iconic moments, they're great. Like, yeah. like, like, you hear Austin said, Butler's man? good. Yeah, yeah. Baz Luhrmann, like, he's a showman. He he knows what he wants to put on frame, and he gives it to us. Now, the writers, which Baz Luhrmann knows a tribute to, they don't get it. They're going for something that is trying to appeal to both sides. Like, they sugarcoat his drug use. They That's fucking tough for me. I I can't get over that. Um, I can't find three hours to get out to the movie, first of all. But uh, like, 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 for example, like, in the beginning, he's touring with Hank Snow, which, you know, is in the beginning roots after he's been discovered. And then you know, he's stressing out, too much overwork. And then while he's in the car, one of his uh, buddies who he plays in the band with, he passes him a white pill. He's like, here's mm-hmm. my keep you pepped. After that, nothing. The only form of addiction that is brought up is through his mom. Insane, because so much of his life is framed by amphetamine abuse just to keep the machine running. Yeah, and, and alcohol and more stuff. And like, yeah. you know, they don't really bring that back up until like probably as Vegas years because I'm gonna be honest oh, with God. you. Oh God, yeah. When they show him recording the '68 special, when they show him like you know at the end of his Hollywood career in '68, dude, this this guy looked like he never even once touched drugs. Yeah, yeah. And he walks and moves like somebody who wasn't being put through the rigors of like and like when you take into account this guy like turned out so many fucking movies in an eight like a 10 year span like you know he was on so much other shit do you feel like it's a reclamation of elvis or do you feel like it's not reclaiming him no i think listen like he still has assholeish moments he's he's still elvis he's fuck boy he's you know like he's still and he still play so they so they write him to be the cool guy he's playing it cool elvis is cool but he's still a little naive and he's still a little aloof which is what elvis really was i mean listen yeah dude grew up in the ghetto like he didn't really have a proper education his education with music so whatever level iq that's going to derive from that is just that and that's and that's why he was you know in a sense, like just wanting to immediately get out was always so willing to give Colonel Parker 50%. He was never just, you know, something that he got spinned onto. It's like, you know, like, listen, it's the 50s. 
there's still a lot of shit going on. Like, you know, in the movie, like, there's a lot of issues with, like, the whole him stealing black music and stuff like that. But like I said, even when they bring up these other things that are so pertinent, like, it's, like, for example, when it becomes the whole thing about the, like, him perpetrating the black music and bringing it to the white culture, dude, that whole mess of 30 35 minutes of like the this racist senator going at tom parker going at elvis just finding ways and, it, and it's like you know it's a pg movie so they're gonna go as racist as they can without saying the n-word and of by course, that yeah. i mean this guy's just saying we gotta segregate they're bringing black music and then you just see confederate flags and that's yeah. it and it's just like you're really just bringing too many ideas. You're not fleshing it out because you're trying to remind people that Elvis is like, or you're trying to tell people that he was somewhat of a saint. He wasn't. I mean, listen, he had great music. He had great showmanship. He had great style. He had a great voice, great guitar skills, but like, he's not a saint. Let's just get like, listen, me personally, knowing a lot of shit, just like, I'm I'm still capable of listening to Elvis and like understanding like you know like listen he he may have had a shit life but he was also a piece of shit like you can't really just cancel each other out you know what about the Basler mites and the Elvis uh, agnostics how do you feel like they'll uh, do I don't know if Basler mites is the proper term it sounds like an infestation <laughs> but uh, that's what listen, I'm dubbing the families oh, well I honestly feel like they they. They'd probably steer more on the positive side because it's, it's exactly what Baz, it's exactly what you expect from a Baz Luhrmann film. A lot of out there creative editing styles, a lot of which work, but Interesting. it's, but the problem is it's just like, because of how the story's told and how it's progressing, just because they're good edits doesn't mean the scene that's being shown is good. <laughs> is it going to be a Bo Rap uh, best editing uh, situation? Do you think? So yes and no, because it's actually good editing this time. So it's maybe they they can't win. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. they can't win if it's good editing. Uh, It's just most editing wins. Because there's like a few scenes where it's like, it's like so he's really trying to perpetuate this to be way too much of a movie with those edits too. Like you know, like when he's showing the Elvis front of movies, like that whole montage. Oh, he goes through the movies. Okay. So it's the Lithium do one movie. I think it was a one or nine. I don't remember. And then right after that, they see him recording the infamous, like, uh, uh, with all the girls riding on jet skis and being splashed right. with water. And then they shift that to the middle. And then they create a grid. And around them, all you're just seeing is movie cars. That's it. Of all everything. This is like, it's and like I'm saying, like they just don't know who they are, because it's like for for that those are for the hardcore Elvis fans. Because when if they're gonna want to come back to this, they're gonna pause that and see how many of the movies they reference and so forth, you know. But it's like, like I'm saying, it's too many conflicting ideas of what they want to do and what they want to say that it's just it's never there, and it's really bothersome to me because it's like I really wanted a good Elvis movie. I wanted one that really understood sort of the, it's that understood more of what it wants to be because when you're talking about a film that 
starts off through a narrative of being told of uh, a POV narrative being told by Colonel Parker, who's telling us the story of Elvis, like as if he knew Elvis's childhood, which is when he's telling the story of his childhood, it's like, listen, you're just paraphrasing what Elvis told you Mm -hmm. that you probably don't even remember. He shouldn't be the main character in that fixture. Uh, but but here's the thing. If you're going to make him the main character and you're going to focus on the business aspects of it, don't flood the film with 90 minutes of performances or at least close uh, to because then you're only going to be left for like 90 minutes of actual plot. Yeah. And if you're trying to look at the business aspect, you're probably, listen, it's more than just Colonel Parker and Elvis. We're going to have to not sugarcoat and go knee deep into how the music industry worked then, especially how difficult it was for songwriters to own rights to their own song, especially black artists. Um, the whole business, you know, the enterprise of Elvis, because he became a brand so quickly. They just say, hey, we're going to show you merchandise. We never come back to it. Um, like, it's, you know, we want to look at the business of it, but it's like, and you just forget that it's about the business. And you want to try to fill it up with a lot of sort of, because it, then it's like, all right, we want to make the business of it, but then we need to tell a story of his whole life because then we're probably only going to attract one crowd after the first weekend word of mouth. Yeah. Because if, cause it was a movie all about business, dude. Like It's doing well, though. Oh, it yeah, it's doing well. Performing. Because, you know, it, well, because it's exactly what everybody's going to expect from a biopic like this. Yeah. Biopics on music do very well. Um, and here's yeah and listen there's a lot of movies that this reminds me of like billy versus the united states of, Pop of america interesting okay. horrible movie mm -hmm. but andre day killed it phenomenal when she was nominated for the academy award i was like eh, no problem i don't give a shit like she was great she deserves it yeah billy right. holiday deserved more but uh she deserved yeah. Yeah, what definitely. she got so uh, ray with jamie fox by what she got, I mean the award, by the way. I don't mean Billy yeah. Holiday deserves something yeah. that she got. Um, yeah. She deserved more credit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like Ray with Jamie Foxx, like I think it's just the very by the number standard biopic where, you know, like. Still enjoyable. Like, yeah. It's enjoyable because, you know, everybody's coming in and just giving it their A game. But the only thing I take away from it is just Jamie Foxx's performance. That's it. Same thing with Notorious. Notorious, the guy who plays Notorious in Gravy. Dude, guys, great as Biggie. The These movie, are really actors' so basic movies, and by right? <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, and they are very much actors' movies. Like you know, for example, like Walk the Line too. I don't think that yes, movie would have yes. been anything without those performances. Especially them doing the songs in that one was pretty special. Even if they uh, don't always sound right, I think it it shows what they're really bringing to the table. And I think it is. I, I do. I like Walk the Line. <laughs> I also What's like uh, Walk Hard. Um, so, you know, I like both uh, yeah. sides of that coin. Yeah, man. Like, it's just it's just so all over the place. And, you know, like, uh, I really, really wanted to like it. Okay. And also the lack of Jailhouse Rock really, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the one good Elvis movie, at least that I've experienced, is uh, Viva Las Vegas. I think that's a special movie with the really good construction of what Elvis could be. Uh, and it turns into like a speed racer uh, um, car rally by the end, mm -hmm. which is a funny thing for Elvis to be. Um, 
and it's just about like him getting this car and like going and performing to get this car and then this girl you know it's so simple i think i think simplicity might be a good key for elvis but uh as an elvis agnostic who only has that to really draw from and you know it's just like oh you know like some racist family members really love elvis you know it's kind of kind of on the outskirts of my interest so uh i'll get to it i can't find four hours to get out of the house lately, so uh, it's a big commitment oh yeah feel that man and trust me it is a commitment because when i realized that at the end of his hollywood career we still had another 85 minutes Ugh. i wanted i i wanted i i was physically that sob emoji <laughs> okay uh well going from uh, a very negative framing it device to one that i think is very productive we have angel olsen's big time uh six studio album uh keeps growing in uh special ways uh it becomes more personal every single album i'm finding she's the best i love her we love um, her yeah our, and, our site, big fans oh, big, listen big, big time, time. <laughs> it's not her first time touching country chords or country you know complexions like it's she sort of started out that with alternative country and folk on like one of her earlier albums but like this one just feels so much more intimate so much more personal and it's just like me personally every time i just listen to it i shed tears man it's just like (laughs) it's 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 rare for an album to get me to like feel the emotions that she feels and especially the way it's constructed like she gives us these sort of different types of like jams twangs like you know the first song is really really neat deep like ballad that sort of transitions into a little more country rock play when our emotions build up and then you got right away into the big time the title song which you know it's just such a lovely lovely dance number that you know doesn't have to be extravagant but the vocal and the vocals and the emotions make it so and it just builds through that throughout the whole album i'm thinking about uh the acts that have gone country this year we have wilco with the cruel country which is an album that's like a takedown of our uh social issues of the day as wilco is prone to do uh they're very targeted uh cruel country is an interesting way to title a country album by the way um and i feel like with angel since it's more internally appointed uh she's more processing her own things and it's more her than she's ever been she's done various kinds of like uh psych rock and uh uh kind of fringe uh pop rock uh, pop art stuff and then she's done like orchestral stuff and yeah yeah, she's really moved into very i wouldn't say reduced because it sounds so large i'd say very stripped down oh definitely and it's very nuanced too especially and i mean nuanced in the sense of like it's it's modern but it still has that eerie scent of like the 60s 50s country we're talking oh, Patty sure. Klein, like like this kind of era where country had a more of a tempered holistic emotional driven core instead of that more aloof stereotypical twangy plucky guitars that we hear and like do you oversaturated emotion like and 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 like you know it, and we're talking like comparing what 
country be get started turning into in like the mid eighties, late eighties, turning into what we come into like the two thousand with Kenny Chesney and one of my favorite country tracks. She thinks my tractor's sexy. Don't ask you why. <laughs> You're allowed, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you have and to. And when people when people say they don't like country because they're and, wrong. And they sort of think about the stereotypical. Well, yeah, but they think about the stereotypical country. They are thinking she thinks my tractor's sexy. And they should because, be thinking of the outlaw country guys guys primarily in my mind oh yeah outlaw country was sort dude outlaw country really just kept that growing because it it felt so it still felt naturalistic and whole to the artists that were bringing these sounds out like it wasn't you know like this sort of overly produced glitzy like country that just will catch anybody's attention (laughs) create a hoedown like yeah when you want when you want a good hoedown man you just you just want something that isn't basic. You want something yeah. that can sort of like, like take, bring out your emotion and just like while you're dancing, not just something that you want to like go out with your boys, drink some beer and red solo cups and just do the dozy do for no reason in the middle of a freaking yard outside your pickup truck while the con is going up a few yards down this. <laughs> I think so much of country's problem is a format problem that it's so determined by radio and that the radio only plays specific things from a specific Nashville kind of sound that's modern. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and even then, like, you, you, you got to have a pop angle. Like, that's why Taylor Swift was able to break into Hot 100 radio with yeah. like, Love Story. Um, yeah. You're more it's country a, pop positive than I am, I think. I think I need this kind of outsider uh, perspective that yeah. Olsen has. I mean, yeah, and it's, yeah, there's a lot of, and that's the thing, like, there's certain pop country songs that do get, like, that pop push, like, you know, for example, um, Casey Musgraves on, from Golden Hour. Yeah. High Horse, fantastic. for example. High Horse, great country song, but at the same time, it's actually a country disco song. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's now how country can just evolve and bring something new to the table instead of just that old stylings like you know like for example um last year's academy award we had a country song nominated that, that reba song mm-hmm. and that felt very reminiscent of that old good country that you know that i personally like not that overly produced one because it's all driven by the vocals and that's yeah. one big thing that's always been hurting about country because you know it's sort of like older brother of Americana like it's and roots it's like it's it's a sound that grew from you know that cowboyish area or like you know it's when guitar like instead of the more traditional orchestra that we had that people really had in like the 1700s and stuff like that like you know music always grows and like we've seen probably with westerns too and like the way they play their guitars like mm-hmm. it's sort of reminiscent of coming that plucky like older older country that we got to hear which you know it's just they also it's not overly produced song on this album it's so clean it's smooth it's like every track is just perfectly produced and it never takes away from Angel Olsen's lyrics and her vocals and that's why it's when I said it was able to like make me shed a tears because of that because like 
the way it's constructed and the way she delivers it just allows me to focus so keenly on what she's saying that like it hurts you know like yeah it's very stirring and lyrically i think it's very poignant too she's a hell of a songwriter i think that comes through stronger than ever now yeah i mean this album deals with her you know and and it's interesting because you know it's it's her going through her own identity issues like and a a rocky point with it that in 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 correlation to her relationship with her partner like you know like she and it's and it's you know it's and you see it too through the um short film that was released accompanying it which um you know it's angel olsen kept having this hard time coming out to her parents yeah and you know i was creating a a fixture or like you know another picture yeah a vision for fracture between her and her partner mm-hmm. and because you know like it's some pivotal you know like you when you got to accept who you are and if and, you know you it's it's eventually going to come around if like you know if you don't tell them like they're eventually going to find out and it becomes you know but it wasn't even pressured but it was like you know it, it eventually is going to become an issue because it's like then maybe the other person is going to feel that they're being hidden who knows yeah um and, and then that's a speculation but you never know and you, know, you never know uh I guess uh, it has some of the most like stirring starts to songs too. Like I think uh, "Dream Thing" is probably my I favorite start Dream to Thing. a song this year, which goes uh, something like uh, "I had a dream last night, we had a fight, uh, it lasted for twenty five years" or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just a perfect way to phrase that. Um, and her phrasing so pointed like that throughout the album. Um, she really is cutting and uh, mostly cutting of herself. She's uh, not really taking anyone else down with her, but. Uh, no. Uh, she's very uh, self-reflective and in that mode in a really special way. Uh, two of my favorite albums this year now, country albums, uh, would be this and uh, S.G. Goodman's uh, um, Teeth Marks. Uh, so I've, I've listened to a few that I'm very positive on, and they're all three alternative country. I'm going to give that, uh, I'm not to give those albums a listen to that. Yeah, I'd, I, say, I, I'd say Teeth I, Marks is like Angel Olsen with more of like a rock component to ooh. it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. That's I'm leaning toward Angel Olsen though because I think this is a special album. Oh, it's so special, man! It's it's a reason it's my favorite of the year, man. It's a perfect. Yeah, album. me too. Uh, we once again we have the same favorite, and I mean we're only halfway through, <laughs> but uh, this happened at the end of last year too when we compared notes. We're like, oh shit, we have like the same top three in different orders. Uh, yeah, man. So, and you'd think it'd be Kendrick, but it ain't. <laughs> oh, I know. And it's funny because this and Kendrick are the two, I think, most self-reflective albums, most self-examining oh, 100%, albums 100%. 100%. But this one's very winning when it does it, whereas Kendrick's kind of like, man, I want to get away from that. Uh, Kendrick's yeah. is very uh, confrontational. I think hers is very um, resolving. I think it's a, a good way to resolve your own feelings and conflicts with yourself and to kind of internalize uh, some of her pain and what she's going through. Um, very good stuff. Uh, so would you put this in the rap hall of fame? <laughs> what are we oh, doing? 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so Angel Olsen's big time, uh, top of the rap hall of fame, step aside, tribe called Quest. Uh, uh, let's play something from it. Uh, what would you like to hear? Hey man, let's just play some drink thing. All right.
yeah that's perfect that's just the best start of any song this year one of the best songs too so enjoy yeah. dream thing i had a dream last night we were having a fight it lasted 25 years it was a waste of Well, we covered uh, the move toward alternative country, and uh, now uh, what's happening in rap music is it's all dance music. Can you believe this, Kevin? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you believe this happened with Drake, um, especially? I think that's more outside the line for me. I was shocked. <laughs> I was, I was happy because you know, like this is what I wanted. I mean, it isn't the best, but listen, hey, it's what I wanted, and I liked a lot of it. And when is you know, Drake ever the best? You know, it's pre two thousand fifteen. Yeah, almost ten <laughs> years ago. Besides, yeah, exactly. So that's besides the point. Listen, yeah, Drake dropped this out of nowhere, man. Like I wasn't expecting, and I don't think anybody was until we just like announced the day of or Thursday day of, and then it just dropped at midnight. Yeah, and, and it's caused a lot of conversations. That's no, that's a hundred percent the truth. Because there's two rap songs on here, but they're more trap. But let's push that aside because yeah, nobody's talking really about center. those. Because, and funny enough, they're the best tracks on there. Oh, you but, like them the most? Okay, I, I oh, disagree. I, well, I don't. I don't. I think Jimmy Cooks is great, and the other one is great, but they're not my favorites. I think they're okay. probably one of the better that's tracks fair. on the album. Because that's what Drake's that, good at. <laughs> well, yeah, because let's be real. As a vocalist, and listen, it's 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 always been something in the back of my mind, but this album made it so apparent. And Scorpion almost made it apparent, but Drake is so limited as a vocalist. He is. So yeah. so when he came to this and we listened and we heard a predominantly house Jersey Club album. And Drake's singing on a lot of it. I'm like, okay, love the angle. Love that he's embracing something he's played with in the past. Like, Pat, we've heard it on Passion Fruit, oh, One yeah. Dance. We've, we've, heard, we've heard House Drake before. It's not anything new. No. But he's always just sprinkled shit in, between, in every album. So it never felt like he's always spearheading in one direction. Yeah, you don't this is expect him a concept album. And this is him spearheading in one direction. He's creating a dance album. Now, maybe if Drake had a DJ mix this, it, it probably would come across cleaner. Yeah, what are you going to um, play at a club on this? Or what are you going to play at a, I don't know. Oh, I mean, there's a few tracks that you could play on a club. Uh, massive. Currents. Um, <laughs> you could, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe that back room, squeaky bed at the club, you get that currents going. <laughs> that's a, that's I mean, my favorite revelation. We need to spend some time on currents, which is just a, a squeaky mattress. As uh, the that's the that's the I mean, bro. You're like, but here's the thing, and and, and that's the issue because like that's a big part of like the sound of which he's incorporating into that. I thought it was place. funny. I was like, man, that's it, stupid. That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's part of the whole Jersey Club aesthetic, but it's like it, it, you got to know how to use it. Yeah. And it just doesn't work there because it's like, 
it, it drowns everything else in the production. It's and all you dr- can really think about is the, exactly. the bed. Yeah. And it doesn't, and like, you know, if you're trying to play it in a club setting, that's not going to get a good rhythm going. It's honestly what I think it would work. But, you know, it's not like, you know, and it's not like he's a, it's, and this is one of those rare occasions because there's other great tracks on here that I like personally, like Texco Green. Yeah, I think Massive is Texco Green, probably my favorite. And I do like Massive too. So there, there's yeah. some stuff. Oh, yeah. And like, and, and Massive is that one time, or one of two times probably, where his vocals, don't feel limited. Yeah, they I mean, they fit the song. And ride the beat well, and it, it's, you need to dance with it, and it's fun. It's massive is that's that it. That's specifically what it is. And you know, he's bringing a lot of club dance house producers on this. We hear some Black Coffee production, some Gordito, the AKA DJ Carnage production, and so forth. Like and Alex Lustig and more, dude. Like we get, he's bringing a lot of electronic producers and house artists. To help him produce this but you know it's <laughs> at the end of the day it's like one of those things where for the most part i actually love the production but i just wish drake sort of went at it differently maybe brought in some more brought in a different featured singer to duet with him or do something to sort of balance it out because when he's just coasting through this like solo like you start to get like tired after a while just of his vocals because it's never consistently enthralling you like you know it's to a point where when you listen it it doesn't deter you it isn't shit but it's like it unless you unless you don't like the beat it's just not gonna work for you because Drake is in that happy medium where it's like as long as the beat is good you can find yourself replaying it. But like at, at the same time, this is very niche because lyrically it's it's a little redundant at times. But it's this is what it is. And you know, it's just creating a lot of unique traction for Drake, especially as people say him, along with uh, one of his contemporaries, Beyonce, are bringing house music back. And I'm thinking to myself, like, yes and no. Yeah. Like, house music has had a... So it, house as a genre, in and of itself, and I've come to learn this within the house community, it's, they're very tight-knit. Because it's it started underground. It's a very underground genre that sort of uprooted from post-disco, disco era that, you know, I turned in in 79. It started breaching into what we heard as, as post-disco when it became its own house music. And, you know, what Drake does a little bit on here, besides the Jersey Club, is sort of bringing back and sort of try to recreate the atmospheric element of 90s house music. Now, that's a big proponent of what people are trying to remember because house music today is not like it was in the in the nineties. The nineties, you know, there was a, the synthesizers were more danceable. They were more in tune with the beat, and it allowed house to branch into so many different genres. Like, listen, <laughs> like some people will say, you either are, or you aren't. 
you're an apologist or you're not, I am an apologist of Eurodance. Listen, Eurodance, one of the corniest genres ever. Like, is Drake, do you think Drake's bored? Do you think he's been bored? I think Scary Hours 2 was the last time I thought he wasn't extremely bored. With I don't think he's bored. You don't. I think he. I, I think he understood his assignment. Because what's, what's his assignment? Though? <laughs> well, his assignment is delivering a dance album that's perfect for the summer. Think about its release. Okay. Think about the way it goes. Think about it, the way the production is. Like, it's an album that was specifically made. Because the big thing that like electronic electronic music loves to feed into the summer season because it's more enjoyable outdoor. You're always dancing. You're always moving. You're always going to need to be hydrated. I don't. Uh, by the way, it's not me. I'm not doing these things. I'm uh, I'm too old for moving and dancing. Appreciate <laughs> the choir, man. Because, listen, it's more intense than just what I'm telling right now. Because <laughs> you're dancing, you're outside. I'm not. Amazing. <laughs> but, you like, are. you know, I am, yes. But, uh, you know, if you do that inside, it's going to be like, you're going to pass out quicker than if you were outside. But it's just, just a continuous dancing because, you know, Electronic music also has its own built-in little core culture of yeah. drugs, and one big drug being Molly, and sure. that's also a little bit dehydrating and like you know, and I think it's sort of like in the back of the mind of why electronic, like no, listen, like you're gonna go to clubs, you're gonna listen, and that's and and that's the nighttime aesthetic because the nighttime aesthetic, they go about it different ways, so it's like. And that's what makes electronic music and house music and what Drake does as well as he tries these different types of electronic sounds is that it they can morph a kind of atmosphere based on where your setting is. So, for example, there's tracks that fit the nighttime aesthetic, like we're talking fall, um, Falling Back or Massive. Falling Back's then, okay, too. So. But then you got the, yeah, and then you got the more outdoorsy aesthetic like a keeper or texco green something that really will get the juices pumping like i mean i don't know if you heard of like other festivals or for electronic music we have bizu like edc tomorrowland tomorrow all of this usually takes place between may june and september so yeah. it's like that's because you know it's a bare because electronic music and and specifically now with drinking part of it it's a major dance community and that's why i love it so much because i love to dance my shit knees and all <laughs> my thing is like it's something you don't really have to tour um right now with some of covid still circulating it's something that you could just put out and it could play in those clubs and those settings and you might not even have to go take it on stage uh uh, I might not I mean, need these songs Pusha from Drake. in October. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I I love Pusha T, so I'm I, I feel differently about that. But for Drake, I feel like this is an in between album that uh, fulfills those functions. You mean um, where it doesn't necessarily need Drake there as like uh, MC for for what this is doing. I don't want him to go out and sing in concert. <laughs> They could play it at the clubs. It, it has a place, I think. Uh, I don't think that place is Drake singing to an audience uh, for a whole show. Oh, no. And, you know, obviously he's going to perform it on live concerts eventually and everything. Uh, but yeah, that's just what it is. But listen, it, 
there's enough here that it's good fans even me like i'm a fan of drake i just sometimes get tired of a shtick but it's always going to be something here that will keep you moving like you know like it's just the way he 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 has an ear for production especially of who he doesn't produce as often but you know he knows what kind of sounds he like you know he's gonna hit and it's true a lot of, like i said like a lot of the production on this slaps like take away drake i can listen to a lot of these beats by themselves like massive falling back a keeper like texco green lights book like you take away all these vocals man i can listen to this stuff without it and that's how great the production is and because he's getting these djs and producers and artists who sort of understand the genre so when you got somebody of drake's caliber who understands how to make a hit someone who knows how to make pop grandeur and then you allow him to orchestrate with producers that he thinks are going to work, they're always going to get great production. And, you know, it wasn't so much the case with Certified Lover Boy all the time, but, like, it's even before that and this, like, it's been a apparent thing with Drake. Like, he, he has an ear. It's just his writing game has definitely slumped. And it's, it's the case here. Like, you know, a lot of his... A lot of I never these tracks thought he was are incredible wrote. or anything. Um, I didn't think he was. They a dude, a lot of but... a lot of the a lot of these tracks are relationship based, and they're very moody. But like, yeah, listen, I mean, and, and 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 they're not, you know, they're not complex, but they're not too dumb. They're to me in the middle where it's like you're not groaning because it sucks, but if you do groan, it's because there is some redundancy. Sure. Um, I, I like it. I think it's a hilarious thing to put out. Um, I, I think it's funny when, when Drake does strange things. So um, I, I'd prefer this over another certified lover boy any day. I mean, you're telling me, man, that was filled with features. This I mean, one that, only that has just one. Bored me. I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't listen to certified lover boy after two weeks. Like when that came up during our Grammy show, we just played lemon pepper freestyle because that's how we felt um, <laughs> and that's a great song that's the last Drake song that i really loved uh lemon pepper was good uh I mean, he's had a few good songs but few as great as that one the last year so um no, i don't feel like playing anything uh, should we move to beyonce uh, yeah <laughs> i don't want to waste people's time i mean they could look up drake if they, they want to hear drake uh, all right so let's talk about good house music yeah <laughs> so Beyonce, obviously, someone who isn't limited vocally. She's fucking yeah. amazing. Very um, talented. But unlike what Drake does with Honestly Nevermind, what Beyonce does on her first single, Break My Soul, besides tell a lot of people to go quit their job. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah Beyonce. Um, <laughs> Do you think they should be taking like, advice from Beyonce? Do you feel like she's a good conduit for that? line of advice i don't know um yes and no if the song yeah, made you honestly sit back for a day and reflect on your own happiness then yeah like okay but if you listen to the song and then an hour later you're calling your boss saying you're quit and you work at a starbucks i mean she's not empowering you to do shit you're just a moron yeah you're, there's a reason your you life at a starbucks right now. yeah uh, just take your time 
I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to insult people who work at Starbucks right. or anything. I'm not insulting people who work at Starbucks, yeah. but we're talking about somebody who's like 20 years old listening to the song and then quitting after an hour. And I'm like, what? To like somebody who's probably 28 has been working a desk job at front based on her degree. She's reflecting. She's not totally 100% happy doing the same shit and then wants to focus on something that, you know, she loves. Then that's understandable. And that's what I, and that's what's so great about Beyonce, like with her, more, with her empowering song formation, all this. It's like, it's telling you to think before you act. And especially because when you're reflecting upon yourself, that advice that she gives in this empower in like these empowerment anthems, like it's gonna be effective or not. Like, you know, I'm I'm personally not, you know, so telling people to go quit their jobs. Like, I'm not trying to say that right now with this, but I'm saying, look, listen, what Beyonce is trying to do with empowerment, especially with this song, if it, if she's making you think for a day or two or even a week about your core happiness with your job and how it's you know, steering how you live your life on a day-to-day basis, you know, which are, you know, you know how it is with corporate jobs, man. Like, Well, yeah, if you, you can't get, unionize, your well, workers' rights are bad, you're not getting paid enough, obviously. Yeah, you need to think just that. We're talking job. about, like, you know, how uh, your vacation days and stuff like that. Like, for example, like, limiting your, and your capability of, like, oh, maybe you can work from home one day or doing this and that, like, you know, I have that fluidity. For example, I can work from home. I, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a pencil pusher, but like the, I, we're unionized, but at the same time, like, you know, for five years, I only get two weeks vacation paid. And then after five years, it's three weeks per year until I hit the decade. And then it's four weeks. So it's like, you know, for people, it's like, damn, we really got to be there for a break. Yeah. for a long time to like really start to see like these other benefits like listen two weeks is grand but like you know like sometimes you never know mm-hmm. how she can happen you love more fluidity like like i'm real like i don't like my cousin not even like two or three years into his job where he was working for a more you know less i would say private because it's small and he has said private before but like an architecture firm for civil engineering and like he goes on vacation like he has it seems like he has right off the bat more vacation days than I do paid or maybe he does it I don't know I mean he, he, he he's a, he's a salary job he's an hourly but like that's what I'm saying like it's all depending on the job and like what kind of you know like timing it gives him to do these other things like he loves his job but that's not what he actually loves loves he fashion he sells clothes he wants to run his own business like that that's what he wants to do and he does it on the hustle on the side mm-hmm. but it, this job literally allows him to pursue this hustle now this job didn't have give him this fluidity and he only had like for example the same thing i did two weeks of vacation and a paid vacation and maybe only seven sick days per year, like for him to get like his own ego, like, or like those two weeks 
may not even just be enough with the kind of hustle you would have to put in double, you know, to get to work on the design for the clothes, printing, delivering, and so forth, because, you know, he's not on this level where he's scaling and like, hey, I can go on Shark Tank next week. He's, you know, he's still very localized. Like, he's a local brand and he's growing and his job gives him that booty. But if it didn't, and he heard this Beyonce song, and he started to think for a week and then quit his job. Understandable. Yeah. She, and, uh, and she's also but, a billionaire. So yeah, for her to uh, be talking to people about uh, that is... Exactly. Know, that's yeah. my only issue, but I it, suppose. Um, yeah. And I... And I and, but we and look, I hate at, that look she at has, the last two years, too. People are leaving these uh, jobs that are paying minimum. And uh, good for them. There are jobs that people shouldn't have. Yeah. It's under, and, you know, she's really writing that. And it's yeah. understandable. It's, trying to create this, this, this empowering out this empowering anthem to do so and you know what's one thing that really attracts somebody to really listen and listen again is the production and the style like this is a bop man like no it's matter good. what yeah, the chorus is great no, what everything dude like no no matter what the message is being conveyed it, it, the like the way she delivers her lyrics, the rhythm, the melodies, the harmonies, the production, yeah. everything together is just brilliant. She could and be yet, saying to jump know, off the bridge. I'd be I'd be saying good for her. You know. Um, yeah, you know what? <laughs> uh, that's the thing. Whenever Beyonce puts something out, it's so supportive online. Unlike any other artist, I think it's just such a such a straight line of support. Um, I think Beyonce is so beloved that it's like a whole industry of uh, of what would you say um, messaging to oh, yeah. younger women, especially black women, young black women. Um, I think it's uh, a message of empowerment that uh, is always strong and always in her work. So uh, yeah, always appreciate and, it. And you know what? Like it, it leaves me excited because like the the people she got to produce this are producers so you have these producers able to get out of their element and actually do something and actually make it it's great i mean this is produced by the dream and tricky stewart two phenomenal pop and r&b soul producers like and hip-hop like uh-huh. you know tricky stewart you may not know but he produced um some tracks like single ladies um okay. touch my body by mariah carey yeah me against Very. the world by britney like and while the yeah. dream you know he produced so much amongst his you know releasing albums himself so it's like when you get these people to just come in and produce and just create this phenomenal 90s house anthem and deliver it on the money mm-hmm. like i haven't been able to stop listening to the song like it's literally fantastic it's a great song. Um, did did other songs come out yet, or is it just this one? You know, she. I honestly, she she put up an Instagram said Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday. But we haven't gotten anything since. A lot of people speculated it was going to be the single on um on that Thursday that it was released. Right. Then she was going to drop another single on that Tuesday, and then following that would be another single on that Thursday. Meaning that because the album doesn't come until the end of this month, July. Right. So my suspicion was she was gonna have the album uh, coast on three singles before the drop, and still can. 
Um, I don't know. I guess she could still do a Thursday and Tuesday uh, within the month. Uh, yeah, you know? 100%. But listen, there's a... What's, what's great is she... Um, she's really embodying and under and really understanding what makes made the 90s house music era just so unique in and of itself i mean listen we had like with artists like labouche freaking show me love by robin s or you know some peter tong and stuff like that or pete tong i mean um the house has always been this unique sort of rhythmic danceable but at times low-key idm and intelligent dance music like kind of stylings that really just allowed artists to expand and you know sort of the bridging point or the bridger of what other electronic sounds we've gotten today like trance again um hip house mm-hmm. house acid house deep house there's so much different types of house music as well like dubstep in some way everything's slightly de- deriving from house house music is sort of like the godfather electronic yeah in its own little sense of what and and me saying that it's like more saying like what it eventually bridged out into house music still has its own sound still its own individual genre and people still make it yancey really embodies that especially we're talking the more danceable house tracks at that time. We're talking, you know, stuff from like Black Box, um, like Ride Ride, or um, uh, like they said, like Show Me Love by Robin S. Um, a Deeper Love by C by the CNC Factory, or you know, this is so many, like you know, and there's still a modern twist to it because Beyonce, you know, she, she brings that soulful aesthetic, especially in our voice. And it, it leaves me excited for what this album is going to be, because I honestly think it's going to be a mostly dance house album. Where I I'm guess hoping. we have to see. I hope, yeah, so. I hope it'll be interesting. Um, yeah. And, but, you know, people are saying like, we're saying to like Drake and Beyonce, they're bringing house music back into the mainstream. And I'm like, pause please pause with that bullshit. Like, yes, I get it. Drake and Beyonce, I know their status as artists. Yeah. Literally Pop two of the top five. Dance. That's fine. But, That's... but listen, you're discrediting so many DJs who have actually made some powerful hits. Like, we're talking Calvin Harris. Yeah. Who's, a... Who delivered a deep house cut with Lipa not too long ago, One Kiss, which is fucking amazing. Um, listen to uh, Tiesto still bridging out some nice house out tracks. Like it's, I think don't look at the, the, don't look at the result of a movement and say it's the movement. I guess is our message exactly. And I, and I get what they're saying. They're bringing it back to the mainstream, meaning like, all right, we're going to bring it back to beat. top ten billboards. Yeah, yeah, top ten billboard, top one hundred radio. Sure, I honestly like, I, like even Beyonce track. I honestly think it's gonna find itself to adult contemporary, yeah, which could. is gonna, <laughs> be, yeah, which is you know strange, but it it belongs there. Like it I would like, like sonically, like it's not you know, like and this is what I mean by belongs there. When I'm listening to adult contemporary radio, like for in like in New York, 
like Wild 2.7, when they play a song that features a hip hop artist, they cut out the hip hop artist completely. Mm. Like when, like when sometimes when they said, "Hey, you know we're gonna play Katy Perry's Dark Horse," they cut out Juicy J completely at the end. Wild. They yeah. just let the beat coast for like another twenty seconds, and then Katy Perry just delivers like a quick half verse, and it just ends. And I'm like, and you're you really gotta force these artists to create or create these or have these engineers edit so many different versions just sucks yeah and it's a shitty way to play music too but you know but beyonce doesn't have anything that's going to be cut out because she's by herself so it's like at least she's gonna be able to bridge into that and i can understand why they meant why people say this as they say that they're bringing it back to the mainstream but like don't contemporary, it, not the mainstream either. We should say, uh, not anymore. Yeah, like yeah, it's it's still prevalent. I mean, listen, like house and and I get it because it's 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 you know it's still its own centered niche little genre. Like you know, it's I don't I want to say it's like when people say like something's a boys club or something. Like it's like it's not a boys club, but it's like the community and the artists within that community take that shit seriously like yeah to the point where like, you could probably <laughs> kind of the same thing we were talking about with country music where it's like the producers and who's on the radio stations and um the uh, markets combined with the record executives are controlling a lot of the conversation so if it feels like a boys club or if it feels like it's dominated by a certain sound or a certain kind of thing that's why um a, a lot of market uh decisions there yeah but also the fact that people forget that it's like you're out of the mainstream for two years you never really left beyonce no just in general like i'm talking about the genre like okay yeah. listen like listen you like it's always been there, and I'm and yeah, I guess like and like I said, with even not even just that one kiss song, back of an ass, like, like what about Avicii? What about Axwell? Who just saw Mafia? You know, everybody from them, like Hardwell, Axwell, and everybody like they, Nicky Romero, like everybody's still dropping like popular hits, like Calvin Harris. But, like, it's just because you don't hear the name. Beyonce, you mm-hmm. don't hear the name Drake. That it's gonna be hard to bat not and be like, "Hey, I want to play this." Yeah, like, they play in a different zone. That's interesting to people. Um, I guess the convergence is interesting. It was someone from those spaces going into it, but uh, uh, more interesting for Beyonce than Drake um, by far. Uh, she's just a more interesting artist and yeah. uh, shows in the song. Yeah, dude, like, listen, House is such a great, great genre, too, man. Like, uh, one of, uh, Fred Vaughn, one of his favorite artists, does a lot of house music, too, uh, Port Robinson. And he's, I'm hoping he eventually, you know, slightly bridges onto the mainstream eventually, because, yeah. dude, um, he has some great hits that, you know, really have that pop flourish that I love and, you know, has me repeating some tracks. So, listen, like, I'm glad that, you know, at least it's during the conversation. These artists are stirring the conversation and probably reopening doors for a new wave of house music to emerge. Not even just new house music, new house music artists, I meant, like, 
for example, one of my favorite artists currently who, you know, she's not that big yet. Like she has, she, you know, she still does a lot of, she does a lot of gigs. She still drops a lot of music. Laura Van Elken, who drops a lot of Deep House cuts. And Deep House is a little more atmospheric, a little more like dark and danceable. You you don't really you get more, in a sense, you get a little more synth than production than percussion. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 she's amazing. Like, I highly recommend it. Like, it's such a core vibe where it's like, you can literally just play an album of hers, completely forget you're playing an album of hers because it just all acquiesces into like all, yeah, because all acquiesces into like this clean, like 30 minute, like sequences of sounds are just like all different. Like, and what she does is great is because she embodies conceptually, like, because she conceptually like builds these albums based on atmosphere or setting like you know she has this one album um sakura where i think it's called sakura where um you know a lot of she uh she sort of like takes a lot of like the essence and like the sonic like influences of japanese culture and sort Mm -hmm. of implements into them you know or like you know another one where it's like i think I'm trying to remember what it's called. Hold up. And it's like, you know, it's it's very foresty. So mm-hmm. like, you know, you sort of hear like some raindrops, some like rainforest sounds, and like she another one which are trying mites were twinkly, some little more spacey. And like she really keens in on her surroundings to really build her album. Like, yeah, like Sakura's the Japanese one Sky Forest, which has a lot of just like tropical lace deep house tracks and it's just it's phenomenal and that's my recommendation for everybody actually <laughs> who listens to this go check out nora van elken nora van elken check out her yeah. even just check out her dj mixes on youtube it's cool she's amazing and i and hope that, she blows up soon whether or not beyonce comes around to a whole album of house music i think we'll return at the end of the month and uh and go through the whole album and uh render our verdicts there um but uh thank you so much kevin uh pleasure as always and uh, i think we got into some good stuff here so oh definitely all right take care buddy you too you won't break my soul.